at home drawing pictures of mountaintops with him on top, lemon yellow sun, arms raised in a V, and the dead lay in pools of maroon below. Jeremy spoke in class today. This is a quote from the song Jeremy by the band Pearl Jam. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. Hello, Raleigh. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay in the moment. It's nice. It's a beautiful day here in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Celtics are in the finals and uh, very exciting. good things to think about for sure. Good things. Keeping it positive after, you know, a very heavy week, Mm -hmm. a heavy couple of weeks. So, um, right. And I think that we had talked about how this is sort of a unavoidable topic for us, um, to address and we're certainly not going to get political about it and you know and it's we know that it's not just happening in schools but i think in referencing the quote by pearl jam um knowing that that song was written about a student who um commits violence in a classroom and is based on both being bullied and having a difficult home life um and certainly not excusing that being the only reason because many people have both of those experiences and or one or the other and don't do anything violent but um i think that it is an inescapable reality for people working in a school setting to have to think about how safe they are both them them working in a school setting and having children going to school how safe everybody is in a school. And it's terrifying to think that you may not be safe walking into a school. It's just not something our brains are equipped to process that school is not a safe place. Um, And I think, again, not to negate these mass shootings occurring in many other venues and and environments, but I think that the school piece of it is just so out of control. And I was just telling you earlier how I was looking up how there was a thwarted plan out in California where a student was trying to recruit his co his classmates to uh, commit a mass shooting and also a bombing. And thankfully it was reported before it happened and they were able to stop that and, and they went into the home and sure enough, they found the materials that would be necessary for this plan. So, um, I mean, it really speaks to if, you know, it's so it's sort of overused, but I think it's really true is if you see something, say something, if you know something, tell someone because it's, you know, there's no shame in hearing somebody say something and, and taking it seriously. And I mean, this is probably true of a lot of crimes that are committed, but taking it seriously, if a, if a classmate says something, if a student tells a teacher something, take it seriously because at least you're on the side of caution and you're not dealing with the aftermath of something tragic and horrific happening. Well, you think about it too. I mean, we all, if you've ever been to an airport, you're taking your shoes off because at one point in time, they found one guy who put a bomb in his shoe. Mm-hmm. And now we have to put them through the x-ray every time. It's it's very interesting, you know, um, that we are in the place that we're in right now. And I, I want to say, too, that when we were younger, I don't know, I, I went to school on an army base. And so we used to have to do once a year, whatever shelter, um, like if there were bombings, mm-hmm. especially when it was desert storm, um, because our, I guess, the base that... I went to school was one of like the main bases for air force or whatever. And I remember, I remember those moments and I remember not really taking it seriously. It was just sort of like, Oh, here we are. Mm -hmm. Or fire drills, you know, going out with your friends and being like, Oh yes, out of class. 
the kids right now that are having to practice shelter in place and practice how to save themselves and how teachers can save them from someone coming in and shooting up the school is so traumatizing. I can't even, I can't wrap my brain around that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's really so real, you know, it's, Know, and not so to get too political about it, and we talk about you know gun control. It's interesting that you bring up airplanes because I actually was watching something yesterday, and the I don't have his name unfortunately, but he was speaking about how it used to be in the '60s and '70s that planes were getting hijacked at a regular on a regular basis. It's something that a lot of people probably don't remember, um, and airlines were sort of okay with it because they didn't want to. Um, they thought that people, the general public, would be very turned off at the idea of having to go through screenings and be, you know, go through security measures. That it would it would prohibit people or like you know make people um, unsure about flying. It would make it too tedious. I don't want to do it, and so they really resisted it until it became a liability for the airlines, where it became like, well, people could sue you or you could lose more money this way, and so they were totally content paying off hijackers and for ransoms. Um, and now it's sort of just part of our everyday experience that we deal with the security aspects of airports. And I mean, you're getting there two hours early, right? <laughs> well, it used to be like, I can remember going to Florida when I was little and you know, you could walk with, I went with my grandparents and my father could walk us all mm-hmm. the way to, you know, he could watch the plane take off. So, I mean, I think certain things like obviously beyond our scope and our discussion today require people to be courageous and make decisions that aren't necessarily what they think will be considered favorable to the majority of people or the majority of a certain type of person or type of experience. But I think that's part of this conversation. We can definitely bring it down a notch to something that's more on the ground in an actual school or, you know, at our level. But clearly it's, it's beyond the scope of just what a school can do. It has to be a larger conversation, but you know, I don't want to escape talking about that. I just don't want to get too deep into it, but it's also it's too important for our sort of niche of mm-hmm. podcasts that we're doing to ignore um, ignore these events that are happening, especially where many of them are kids with mental health challenges. Right. And um, you know, I think some of that gets I don't this is probably the wrong word, but like glorified almost that like oh this must be the reason the mental health mm-hmm. this must be the re- like and you know I think it's important for us as educators to identify and like you said if you see something say something if something's a little fishy in your classrooms um you say something i mean we've had students where they've said i mean we've heard the most some of the most horrific things in our mm. career especially yes. in the school yeah um the therapeutic school that we've mm-hmm. worked in together and i remember there was a time where we would be like oh you know that's just attention seeking. How do we avoid that? And now it's just such a different reality. It's, it puts you in such a conundrum of like, how do you support the student's mental health needs and help teach them the right skills while also taking something like that very seriously, because it's just so easy, easy to do for kids nowadays. Right. And I think there's more conversation about how to, we talked about this at, at an earlier, in an earlier episode about making sure every student has an adult that they connect with, that every, you know, you go through your entire list of students. I don't care if it's 800 kids, 1,000 kids, 50 kids. However big the population of your school or your setting, making sure kids are connected to someone. And I also think, and this is something that I'm finding um, when I teach my um, 
kids uh, that have executive functioning and social skills, um, you know, challenges that about just safety on the internet, safety, you know, what are people, what information are people looking to get from you? What are things that might appeal to you in a way that's not actually safe or, you know, something that you should be engaging with? How do you look for signs of things that you shouldn't be, you know, it's, it's just so easy for, especially kids that are vulnerable to fall into a trap of getting into things online that they really that aren't good for their mental health and being able to check in with kids especially those that maybe don't have people in their personal life that are as aware we certainly know many of those kids where you know they go home and video games are their babysitter um and these video games are very violent and i'm not saying that video games are why kids shoot schools up i just i just think it's it it's being well aware of what kids are doing when nobody's watching and making sure that we are really thinking about where they're at mentally, emotionally. Could something be subverted? You know, there, this is a large discussion because you, you know, is someone looking for a way to do harm and they're going to find that way no matter what? Which is always a question I ask myself when something like this happens, like with Uvalde. Was this kid going to find a way to do something regardless if that day he had been something happened differently and he never got in the school? Would that have ended his plan? And maybe he didn't. Nobody knows he was going to do it. Something happened. Nobody knew he was going to do it. He could have another opportunity. Or if some intervention had happened, would it have been different? And obviously, again, you can't talk about that without talking about his ability to access these weapons. Mm-hmm. But taking it to a, a, a perspective of even if he can't access certain weapons, is he going to do harm? And how do we intervene and recognize any sign or symptom or or any kind of issue? I feel hard pressed to believe there was nothing anywhere anybody saw that could have ever given them any clue. I think there's always a clue, but that maybe is me being naive. And I don't know. That's, you know, someone could debate me on that for sure. I just, I, again, I'm not saying someone knew this was his plan and they just didn't do anything about it. I just wonder five years prior would someone have seen something um i often think about this in the work that i do because i do work with some of the most vulnerable kids who have had some really serious trauma and who have a track that could you know become violent based on how they were raised and their early experiences and we always talk about you know being in a therapeutic setting is that the the medicine so to speak that you need to keep you in a track that isn't going to create something horrible in the future obviously it's not a hundred percent some kids fall off of that you know it, it happens well but, and some kids learn and some from kids there do, right? right so like you're you you're you could be learning some more negative behaviors it could be triggering something more i mean i think that is you know besides you know our main point but that is something to be debated and when i you know looking at both sides of it of like inclusion and keeping kids in public mm-hmm. schools versus what the true need for therapeutic it's it definitely shines a light on the needs of students and and you know what is best for them and and cost benefit almost and i i used to say that to families when i would tour them at our old school of like there's there's great benefits to a therapeutic setting there is a cost to it every mm-hmm. time and it could be that they're learning things or doing things or seeing things that they've never seen before yeah and even if you're not talking about that, because I don't know that these, you know, I think of Sandy Hook and I think of that. I don't know. It, you can always look back in the history and say, oh, see, here it is or this or that. You know, he was stockpiling this. He was doing that. 
I think, again, I don't want to play naive on this. I just sometimes wonder if it takes the vigilance of an adult who connects. Could that connection, because it's almost like, how do you know? Because, so, you know, take kid A and he has that connection or she has that connection and kid B doesn't. It doesn't mean the outcomes are, we can predict the outcome, but I wonder if having that connection and having someone who really understands and can be that role model can fill a void, can show the right way to do something, or can show that, hey, this isn't the answer to what you're get, you're going through. Um, and it just, it, 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 it makes me think. It just makes yeah. me wonder what we're missing because we're missing something. And yes, again, I will say, the access to this, this type of stuff is, is absolutely ridiculous. Well, yeah, and if you look worldwide, it's right. been like proven over and over and over again but that the access is definitely an important component. You and I talk about, we know that the anxiety and depression rates of kids is sky high these days. It's gotten so much worse. And sometimes it feels like this is their, this is how they, you know, this is my answer. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get back at you. Um, you know, I told you the quote from the Uvalde shooter was like, well, you're all mine now. Mm-hmm. So feeling the need to control eight, seven, eight, nine year olds makes no sense to my brain whatsoever because that's a very easy population for you to control as a teenage boy. Um, But does something about that age resonate to him personally that nobody knows yet, you know, and nobody will know because he's dead. But it just, it it makes me think, what are we missing? And again, I know some things are without, out of our hands, but I think about, and I told you this, I think about, I feel like it's pretty easy for someone to walk onto any school, many school grounds and open fire. Um, I'm not sure that even having someone present at the door with a gun is going to stop someone with an assault rifle from getting into the building. Well, and there's this piece of trust too. I, you know, I having my office where it is, is right at the front of the building. And I hear uh, family, parents or guardians or caregivers come in and out throughout the day and kids come in and out, get dismissed and arrive. And it's so easy to go up to a door and just, mm-hmm. and say like, oh, I'm just here to drop off lunch for so-and-so. And there's just this trust, underlying trust of like, oh yeah, that must be really why they're here. So even if you have locked spaces, mm-hmm. it's, there's just that challenge as well. And it, and, and if you sit and think about it, like it's pretty, it's scary. It's scary. It's very well, scary and, to think about. And the person doing, committing the crime has the advantage of knowing that they're going to do it you as the you know us as the people in the school environment have no idea you're not thinking about that well we were talking i was talking this week um to a few colleagues of mine and we were talking about how all the kids who have access now have gone through the shooter drills um so Mm -hmm. all of the kids who are coming up and have access have learned how to well that's yeah have learned how to um what people do in those Mm -hmm. instances so Mm -hmm. there was a story someone was telling me about um kids blocking the door so um instead of leaning up against it they are taught to lay on the floor and put your feet up because if the shooter comes it you know they're shooting through the door so they're not going to access the ground well what are those kids doing in five years where are they shooting where are they aiming the the gun so it's 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 just an you know obviously it's a bigger issue and i think what we can talk about and what we could um, focus on is really how belongingness mm-hmm. and mental health and educating teachers on the impact of mental health and the impact of bullying and the impact mm-hmm. of perceived bullying. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't, I, 
I truly think that there, yes, of course there are instances of bullying. However, I do think that there's a lot of perception, especially as you get into upper elementary, middle school of having to navigate those social nuances and having these misperceptions Mm -hmm. at any level, whether or not you have a disability. Look, and I'm not saying that mental health is the only end all be all, but to your point earlier, you know, I I think personally, I think without getting too political, I think having access to guns and, and access to weapons is a huge, 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 of course. huge piece of, of it. Course. Yeah. I do think there is a mental health component. It is a, a component. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think given our, our sort of purview here, um, it is important to note those, you know, the kids who are struggling and being able to notice them. And to your, again, to your point earlier about having that one connection, that one, having that sense of belongingness, mm-hmm. I think could save. Is that a new word? Belongingness? Yeah. Okay. It's part of restorative practices. Okay. Um, Just the grammar nerd in me doesn't yeah. feel like that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's called that sense of belonging. Yes. And having that, even if it's an adult or another mm-hmm. kid or something that may make someone think twice about decisions. And that's sort of where I was right. looking at it. Yeah, and it's it's just, I mean, we were talking about how it's just tough to extricate one piece from another and, and to say, you know, I mean, I think there's weight that should be placed at, at many feet. You know, it's not about, and I never want to dismiss this as like, well, it's, it's just some kid with some mental health issues. So, of course, what can we do about, you know, because there is a recipe for this. Just like any violent act that is committed by a person towards another person, it's a recipe of brain chemistry of nurture nature you know there's there's so many things opportunity um there's a lot that goes into baking this awful cake it's not just one thing or another and i think you know we also can't do nothing about guns and then do nothing about mental health and just assume that hey it's just a, it's just somebody with a rough situation that took it out on it's a 19 one-off. children um right or it's uh, that doesn't happen here that only happens there um well, and the reality is it happens a whole heck of a lot more here than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about 27 school shootings just in the first part of 2022. You're talking about over 200 mass shootings in just 2022, and we're barely six months in. Barely. And when you look at the stis- oh my God, statistics for the rest of the country, for the rest of the world, it's, it's widely variable and there's mental health everywhere. Right. But I mean, I think having all of these different avenues to be able to fix this is where we're lagging and mm-hmm. other countries are ga- I mean, there are better health, mental health supports around the world. There's better health care. There's better, there's less access to guns. There aren't guns in some countries. I mean, I just think there are so many components and I feel like right now we're at this pivotal point where we as, a, you know, we need to advocate for because the kids can't do it yet and and they're the ones that are getting having being shot basically yeah and hurt well this is also a tough climb and i think in the meantime because you know if this took five years to get back to not back to get to a place that we could all live with that's that's a as you're describing how often this is happening that's eons from now Mm -hmm. and i know i just threw that number out arbitrarily but what do you do in the meantime and you know, I don't, I can't think of a teacher that I'm aware of that's going to say, you know, I don't mind strapping a, a gun to my ankle just in case something happens. I've got a weapon on me. That's not necessarily what I need. We're not in education to, um, 
who who's playing that role? Yeah. I'm, you know, th- this is not people. Don't, you know, it's funny because shout out to Morbid Podcast. I know you're local. I don't. You're, mm-hmm. I doubt you're listening to us, but uh, I do listen to Morbid um, for a totally different uh, <laughs> set of listeners um, for true crime, and they actually touched upon the the recent shootings in there in one of their podcasts this past week, and um, they were talking about the role of, of an educator and saying, you know, and, and they were giving us all shout outs, basically mm-hmm. saying this job is tough to begin with. Um, teachers don't make enough. Educators don't make enough. You're responsible for the lives of children to protect kids, to teach kids, to educate kids. But nowhere in that job description does it say, pick up your handgun, put it around your waist and come to school and prepare to, to have to shoot someone should they try to enter your classroom with a gun. So how much more pressure can we put on people in education? It's, we're struggling as it is to fill these jobs. And now you're saying, well, I'm not sure. I mean, it would be great to find the statistic of what's the, you know, I, I'm sure there's a, a statistic out there about the safety and the sort of like chance of, of you know, you think of like the, um, what are they called? The, the fishermen that do the crab fishermen, yeah. crab fishermen out in Alaska, they have a very, very dangerous job. The chance of them getting injured, killed is huge. What is it for teachers? Has that gone up? The risk yeah. of, of being someone in an education setting. Now, all of a sudden, you're 5% at risk of, you know, I don't know. So let's, you know, we barely can get people to get, enter this field as it is. And now we're saying to them, and, I, and again, it's, it's not just in education. I understand that because you're talking about a supermarket you're talking about a hospital, you're talking about a bar, you're talking about a synagogue, you're talking about all kinds of places. The idea that you're going to require a teacher to have some sort of like, uh, you know, supernatural skill set here. That's not the right word, supernatural. They're not casting (laughs) spells, I don't think, but um, superhero, where they're going to feel comfortable doing that. Well, not just that, add in the fact that at any point in time, if they have that weapon on them, anyone could take it and run with it there. So right. you already have the weapon in the building by so, doing so that. So of course, I think we, you can tell that we both think this is ridiculous and preposterous yeah. that you would do this. Um, this is just, this isn't going away. So, you know, our thoughts and prayers are, nope, done with thoughts and prayers. Sorry, done. That's not changing anything. And s- s- telling a family whose se- seven-year-old just got murdered at school, my thoughts and prayers are with you, isn't doing anything to them for them, helping them, changing anything. So enough with that. We got to act. That is, again, beyond the scope of this podcast. But in the meantime, I, I think it is continuing to be vigilant and aware of the signs and whether or not it's something you think is you're being ridiculous, you're being overly, you know, astute in a situation, you're you're really looking too deep into take it, it's fine. I would say be hypervigilant, be overly cautious. If that if a kid that you've known for a year starts changing how they interact, how they behave, how they present, dig deep into that. Make a connection, have a conversation, point that child in a direction of somebody who can have a conversation, who can figure out what's going on. Because if we don't do that, then we're not, that's, I think, the best that we can offer at this point. Well, and I think, you know, I, I've talked a lot this year about uh, lack of access to social emotional supports in general education classrooms. Yep. And I think this is a huge component. You can find ways in your classroom 
And I, again, I don't want to put the pressure on teachers because I know no. how overloaded they already are with the curriculum that they're supposed to push, with the de- the edu- Department of Education guidance that they're supposed to meet certain levels and kids are supposed to pass certain tests. And then you have some states now that are so freaking ridiculous that they're like, well, now you have to turn in all of your lesson plans in August before the school year starts because well, we want to make sure. Like there's, I, I, I recognize and was in that and role. continue yeah. to educate so I can, I can I can understand and appreciate that wholeheartedly. I think somehow the states, the Department of Education, the Federal Department of Education, they need to start thinking twice about what this actually looks like and what we're doing to educate kids. And I'm Mm -hmm. teaching empathy, teaching kindness, teaching being good humans. It's just, it, it blows my mind that we're so focused on whether or not a kid can figure out a calculus problem to be able to graduate high school mm. but they can't be nice what, to the person what percentile next to them. is their math test like right. at the, i mean you and i have talked about and we i fully intend for us to address this in a future episode what would an ideal school setting look like because we we've said it before we will say it again we have to change with the way things are changing in the world and having a great score on a math test is not the end all be all for anybody and at this point Yes, we are all responsible if we are in an education setting in any capacity. We are forming, shaping, and helping along a student in their journey to become an adult who functions in the world with everything that that entails. And again, it's not to put more pressure on people, but it's to start shifting the focus of what is making a productive human in the world. Somebody who, like you said, is has empathy, has awareness of how to work with other people, how to get along, how to deal with and cope with really tough feelings. We talked about sitting with feelings that aren't as comfortable and not always looking to unleash that onto someone or they're building, they're building, they're building and I unleash it in a way that's really disruptive or unsafe or whatever. Um, at the minimum disruptive, at the most, something deadly. So what do we do about that? And I think that it's all of these things that are going to take time to change. It's going to take funding to change. It's going to take flexible thinking to change. Because as we all know, we work with some people who want to just, oh, this is what I've always done. This is what I'm always going to do. I teach algebra this way. I'm always going to teach algebra this way. Whether or not the brains of kids coming through are different than they were 20 years ago, this is how I teach it. How do we change to accommodate the way that things are are changing around us? Like back in the day when uh, we were able to access the TI-81 and TI-82 to do graphing and math, like I don't use any of that today, but was it cool? Or an AlphaSmart. You know what? I don't know if anybody out there knows about the AlphaSmart, but... That was a, that was the first sort of one of the first technological in type on the Alpha Smart. You had this like, I, I mean, I'll call it an, maybe it was two, two lines, two, two, yeah, two, two lines. maybe it's two to three lines of text that came up and two, you know, if you're trying to edit, oh god, like a paper, yeah, forget it. And then you had to like plug it into something to download all the content to print it out, you know. So well, and then and then think about COVID and how everyone had to fast forward their knowledge of Google. Oh yeah, Google Classroom Please. and yeah. Google all that. Like yeah. all of that stuff is so natural to people online now. But it wasn't. two years, yeah. I remember trying to figure out how we were going to teach kids remotely, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be a cluster." Using Zoom, that word yeah. never existed two years no. ago. So if we can change in that way, right. as something so sudden that we had to adjust to, why can't we start adjusting our curriculum? We can, we will, we have to, we have to. And it starts at Unstuck the Podcast. That's right. We're starting the movement. <laughs> We're <now>. starting. <laughs> um, oh, I just, it's, 
there's no choice anymore. And, and the idea that there is one, it, there just isn't. How is there a choice anymore? And, you know, again, coming back to security in airports and like things that feel like they're not possible are possible. And then you, like you said, you look back and I mean, I can remember never thinking that you could have a meeting with many outside parties on a student's case without meeting in person. And now it's almost like, well, why do you need to meet in person? This is so much easier to just go on. I mean, of course we love a person to person, face to face meeting, but we never thought of it back then, even though those Zoom was a th- like Zoom existed yeah. in 2019, I'm assuming, or Skype or whatever. But Microsoft we just, Teams, Microsoft and all Teams, that stuff, we just yeah. never thought to use it. Mm-hmm. Now, now we think so much more in that way, and so there's always a way to shape it differently if we put the effort in. But again, some of these things, you know, we're lucky to live in a state that is well funded in a lot of ways and has some really good responses to mental health needs. Obviously, not good enough. Just got asked numerous parents that have have kids that are you know mentally ill and cannot find the right type of treatment, cannot find a bed when they're in crisis in a hospital. So it's not perfect by any means. I can't even imagine being in a state that doesn't have some of the things that we do and and how things are so antiquated and still behind and still functioning like it's 1985 and not like it's 2022. So. I mean, this is obviously a topic that is not solvable or, or you know, 30 minutes is not enough time mm-hmm. to devote. Um, and we are just but two lone podcasters in a nook. Trudging um, our way through the world right. of education. But if it, if it gets people having conversations about small things they can do that they have some control over to change then it's worth it. Um, We will probably refer to things that have to do with this topic as we've been talking a lot about mental health um, with kids. And um, that's at least a place that we feel like we could make some changes and just sort of the programming and the supports around that. And we really couldn't, you know, just record another podcast today that just didn't sit well with either of us. We want to make sure that we are, you know, advocating for change. Mm -hmm. So. All right. Well, to end on a lighter note, just a little bit lighter, as we as we do like to do, um, my my random topic generator came up with, what's a movie that you could watch over and or movies that you could watch over and over again? Um, I'm a seasonal movie watcher. Mm-hmm. My two favorite, well, I have three that I watch over the winter Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but one movie I could watch over and over and over again is Goonies. Yes, it's a classic. Yep. Yep. For those that have not seen it, I'm sorry for you, yeah. and you should watch it. And 1984, you should, baby. You should watch it with your kids, if you have kids that are around the age of the Goonies, because it's just, you know, pre-technology, pre-cell phones, data was inventing, love a good invention. This is just an example of being kids who explored, and obviously, not all of us find a... Yeah, find, <laughs> find a pirate ship, not yeah. to give anything away. But just exploring and being kids and, like... Riding your bike and playing with your friends, you know. It's a, it's it's playing a outside. Doesn't get old for me. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. How about you? So, um, as I referenced, morbid the podcast and true crime. Um, one of my favorites of all time is Silence of the Lambs. Um, admittedly, I, it came out when I was about sixteen years old, and I illegally snuck into the movie theater oh, to see it. Shoot. And then was terrified after that. <laughs> um, it is a absolutely brilliantly acted movie without a lot of violence. So That's not true. sure if you knew this, but there is not violence in this movie. It's just the psychological impact of this 
this whole situation. I'm not going to, you know. Um, and I, at one point in time, could quote almost every line. Don't know if I could still do that. I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while, but it is one of those movies that just, oh, so good. If it's on in passing, you stop. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. I mean, there's many like that, but. Clueless is one of my Clueless other ones. Clueless is a good one. Yeah. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Just to name a few. Just to name a few. Just to name a few oldie but goodies. Yeah. So. Yeah. Feel free to follow us on all of our social media pages, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, at Unstuck Podcast One. We appreciate all of your listening and following and all of that good stuff. So thank you. And we will talk to you soon. Like we say to the students, (laughs) good listening. Good listening. Bye.